I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Okay. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Oh, Sarah, it's good to see you. It's been a little while. It's been a couple weeks. We like accidentally skipped a week there for a minute. Um, but I hear you had some kind of challenge with your home. Well, accident is definitely the correct word. So accident. Okay. Our house is kind of falling apart. Um, it just, you know, it feels like everything happens at once. Right. So <laughs> last week, uh, we went down to the basement and there was just water everywhere. And basically our hot water heater corroded uh, this one juncture point and it just started spraying everywhere. It was total oh, chaos. <laughs> we had to go. Uh, well, so we just turned off the water tank because otherwise it was just going to flood the basement. And we had no water until they were able to replace it. So you can only imagine we were taking I baths a, a newborn so how yeah. yeah how many days was this well we got a replaced on friday and had to pay out the nose because it was an emergency plumbing thing oh. and apparently it's really expensive to do emergency otherwise it would have been six weeks without hot water uh so yeah we so were and taking, i cut you off you're taking baths oh yeah we would boil water on the stove and then have two bowls. One was the soapy bowl and one was take it into the shower. And one was the clean water bowl. And you just give yourself like a sponge bath with the soapy bowl and then wash yourself off with the, the, the clean water bowl. It actually works surprisingly well. Yeah. But it's like just what you want when you have two athletes living in the house with a newborn. That, yeah that sounds like a lot of extra work yeah I mean he doesn't care the newborn doesn't care um yeah th there was a day where I didn't really shower or soapy bath that's <laughs> totally understandable <laughs> and oh, baby doesn't require much water it's perfect <laughs> I did I tell you <laughs> did I tell you about our fridge situation no my fridge situation oh now I'm just gonna be like I we three about three weeks ago the fridge broke in my um in my like I have a townhouse that I rent out right and the fridge and they like messaged me and they were like there's a strange odor coming from the fridge <laughs> what should we do or like uh unplug it anyway long story short apparently like fridges are one of the things that are like backlogged because of COVID like for parts and all this stuff so like I'm calling around trying to find them a fridge they've like hauled all the food out they can't store food right uh, the, the cheapest fridge I could find was like $1,400 and I'm like oh my god yeah this is like the place has like a 1980s kitchen like if I bought an expensive fridge it would look ridiculous in there like a new fangled chrome front fridge would have just been like ridiculous so it took me three weeks to source a replacement fridge the poor guys wow anyway that's brutal yeah anyway what they problems. yeah what they do 
I did start? find them. I did find them a fridge eventually. It was yeah, fine but three weeks later. Yeah, so they borrowed a fridge from a friend, like a a little a little okay. like beer fridge type fridge. Um, I think they, I. I don't know. I felt bad for them. I would rather my fridge break than theirs because I don't generally like store food. I just like I don't really have that much food that I store. Um, anyway, okay, we're off the rails. I <laughs> I am glad that you got your hot water heater fixed and that you can bathe in your home. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so we do have a guest this week who has just been holding back her giggles as as you were talking earlier um ariel gliboff welcome hi hello thanks for getting my name right yay <laughs> um so ariel for our audience she is an ironman triathlete which she's been since the age of 18 yeah yeah okay i need to ask you about that later um she also runs a non-profit and advocates for and creates tools for survivors of domestic violence and she's also a podcaster ariel you have like the best voice like you have a great podcast voice i do yeah have you been told that before um you know i edit my own podcast so i am so sick of hearing myself talk um so when anyone says i really enjoy your voice i'm like liar liar (laughs) Like, no, it's hard to hear yourself talk. I agree with that, but actually you're, I can, I can like back up whoever said that to you before, because you have that like smooth podcast voice. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike us, we have squeaky voices. <laughs> no, 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 no. You guys are good. But, no, yeah. it's, we're totally okay. We, we know our lane, but you yeah. have a very nice podcast voice. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so yeah, maybe one day when I get my own editor, I won't be quite so like, because eh, no, I'll like get a break from my own editing. It's just hard to hear myself back so many hours. Like, oh God, please shut mm-hmm. up. Please stop talking. But it's also like, don't you find it's a good way to, I used to edit myself as well, my first podcast. Like, it's a good way to also, what would you say? Like, listen and upgrade the ways that you talk on the podcast so I used to find it a good like feedback mechanism which I now don't do so if I if I'm like getting worse and worse at podcasting I would never know because I just record it and send the file off into into the system and and never think about it again so oh yeah I mean I notice so many things about um the way I speak my cadence if I'm going too fast or too slow or filler words if I, I catch myself trying to take a break while I gather my thoughts and I tend to use words like uh 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 it's like no no don't don't <laughs> every time I start doing that I'm like nope hold it in hold it in it's okay to be quiet for a minute just hold it in <laughs> it's, it's amazing experience. I feel like that about saying the word like which I've never really yes. been able to fully correct but I think you know my friend Kelly, Kelly O'Mara, who used to do the podcast with me before Sarah did, was just like, you know what? We need to stop apologizing for how we talk. This is how we talk. And if we were on bikes and riding bikes, we would talk like this. So it is what it is. And I thought, okay, that's cool. So mm, I love that. Although if we were on a bike, it'd be more like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> my cat's is me, by the way. You might hear some squeaking over my, my microphone. Hi. Oh, we love that's a great segue. Thank you for setting me up Wait, for that. Your cat squeaks. <laughs> My cat has the most high pitched meow. It's just like sometimes the, the sounds that come out of his face are just like, what did you just do right there? It's so <laughs> squeaky and so cute. Like, I'm just melting. <laughs> if we can catch that at some point, that would be amazing. Just hold him up to the microphone. Okay. Come here, baby. Okay. okay I got him. Let's see what happens. <laughs> 
we have, a bo- we have a bonus guest. We have a bonus guest. <laughs> we do. This is my little Shongmo. He's super cute. He's big boy. Look, he's black and white cat. You can't see him. He has a very large cat. <laughs> Gotta be like, what, a 15 pounder? <laughs> yep. I do squats with him when it's like my strength is like, do my squats with him? Do my walking lunges with him? And I'm like, coach, I'm getting a great workout. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay. On that note, we are going to take a little break, but coming up on the show, we're going to get some great cat stories from Ariel. We're going to talk about her purpose and her story and maybe a little bit about triathlon as well <laughs> after this. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to outspokensummit.com. We hope to see you there. Every day there seems to be a new wellness trend, like eat this, do this, avoid those scary things. And how do we know where to start and who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding. That's insidetracker.com forward slash riding as in if we were. Change is an inside job. Start inside. Okay, so during our little break, Sarah just takes off her sweater and just starts, you know, flipping her hair, flipping her hair, like posing, like, ah, Baywatch. Wearing a tank top now. (laughs) Showing up her shoulders. I was boiling hot in my defense. (laughs) And I was quickly trying to get my, that's the warmest sweater I own, I think. Well, we, we had a moment, um, <laughs> again, you know, things that the, the listeners cannot see, but Ariel and I, are, we're enjoying them, I, I guess, you know? <laughs> so, uh, speaking of things that we can't see your kitty cat yes. is there with you. And we, we heard that you have a nice, uh, story about him. <gasps> Well, I'm not sure it's nice, but it's really oh. interesting. Oh, um, yeah. We yeah. like gross stories too. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is the one I like to tell when he's being an absolute, um, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. I swear like a mad woman. So when he's being a little ungrateful shit, I'm like, cat, 
Remember the time I rescued you from a burning building? Yeah, I don't see you being grateful to me. <laughs> Although in my defense, I then left him in front of a fire hose and he got soaking wet. So I guess maybe I wasn't the best um, rescuer that day. Um. <laughs> well, back up. We need Whoa. to hear the story. Yeah, yeah. So this is when I was living in my old place in Kirkland. It is three in the morning and I'm dead asleep and suddenly I hear my husband's voice like cut through my dreams like Ariel get up we have to go in this tone where I just instantly know well fuck something is really wrong and so I get up I look out the window and all I see is this bright orange infernal glow from hell and we're like well that sucks. So I jump out of bed. I'm looking for my cat. He crawls under the bed like, nope, I'm terrified. And I'm like, no, I'm not leaving you here. You're not burning to death. So I grab the bed and I throw it like towards the wall, pounce on him, probably that roughly my bed, like pin him, shove him in his box, grab my bike. Cause my tri bike was right there by the door. I grab the bike. I'm not leaving my bike. And I ran out just as two firefighters break down the door and start running in to put the fire out. And I get outside, there's like five different trucks. Half the building is engulfed. There's flames reaching up 20, 30 feet. There's tons of smoke, it's chaotic. And in that chaos, I set his box down because I was really freaked out. And he was right in front of a fire hose. He got so <laughs> wet and I didn't realize until I hear him yowling. And I turned and oh no, I'm so sorry. But I was kind of like engaged in watching my life go up in flames, my bad. Oh man. Wow. I do, I do find it fascinating that the two things you grabbed were your bike and your cat. <laughs> <laughs> the important things in life also yeah. my also my favorite hoodie from my first long distance um Ironman triathlon um when I was like 20 I they gave me a sweatshirt when I when I uh finished and I'm like you know what I'm not leaving this behind it's sentimental and yeah nope 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 not leaving the bike either the most important things I have nope wow oh, wow. Uh, we should do a new segment three things you would grab in a fire <laughs> So we know, we know yours, like yours is like from actual experience. <laughs> what would you grab, Sarah? Well, I, I guess I have to grab, you know, my baby. Uh, <laughs> Wait, do kids count? Does, is that, does that count or is that like a given? Well, no, because cat, baby, cat, similar. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming my dog and Ben can make it out okay uh i i don't know like my wallet my passport i don't know oh, yeah those are good choices good yeah. choices ariel did so did you when this happened did you lose those types of things like id like computer like things that that cause life struggles <laughs> So I was so lucky. I lived on the bottom right of the building. The fire started on the top left. So mm -hmm. when, um, the fire was stopped, literally like the walls between the unit next to mine and mine. And the one above me was completely ruined because the firefighters actually like broke through the ceiling to like pour water in. So they lost all their stuff. My husband and I, we lost some things from smoke damage, but like it was actually we, we kept most of our stuff it had to be cleaned we, we lived in a hotel for about a month but it actually we got really really lucky um 
and the, the poor cat actually got the worst of it being soaked then having spent a month in the in the in the kennel unfortunately mm-hmm. but yeah we we got very lucky and thankfully my husband always gets really good insurance from multiple experiences being in fires uh wow. this has happened to him before a few times so he's just like an old hand at this now you know surviving fires for some reason so it, it worked out but it was definitely kind of disruptive and my boss sent my manager to show up and check on me when I called in to work and said I couldn't come in because my building burned down they were like oh we don't believe you and sent my manager to like drive over and show up and like check like wow you weren't kidding it's like yeah no it wasn't kidding why would somebody lie about that I don't know. I mean, it was on the news. I mean, I had people calling me because they knew where I lived. We carpooled to swim workouts before. And so they were calling like, hey, are you okay? We saw your, that's your building on the news, right? The one that caught fire. So yeah, it was um, definitely an experience. That's insane. I'm, I literally want to check my insurance now. (laughs) Like, Do it, do it. I mean, yeah like insurance paid for us to stay in a hotel while we like found a new place to live and got our stuff cleaned because there was so much smoke damaged and everything. I mean, we, we got really lucky and I don't think people realize like, Hey, you know, it's, it's an important thing. Cause you don't think, Oh, this, this can happen to me. Yeah. yeah. It, it's more common than you think. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Okay. Um, all right, let's move to the, a question. Look, we started asking our guests. Um, it was actually a guest that recommended this question. I really loved it. Um, and I think for you in particular, I'm really keen to hear your answer. But Ariel, what is your purpose? Yeah, that's a, I love that question, actually. It's really positive. Um, my purpose, I believe, is to help people who are like me. I am a survivor of emotional abuse, domestic violence, family abuse, and you know, I have a lot of experience from that and a lot of insight into how the system kind of failed me and how the, a lot of what our society works that doesn't work for survivors. And I really want to try and make things better by creating tools that I see as missing. So for example, I am Chinese American. My mom actually immigrated to this country as a little girl. Um, and my grandma still can't speak fluent English. So that was a huge factor when I was a survivor because being a woman of color and then living through COVID and all this racism about the China virus really affected my experience. So one of our most recent projects with the nonprofit was creating a toolkit designed for survivors like me who have that experience of being Asian American, having to deal with this racism as well as being survivors. It's a really unique set of barriers that we face because of our ancestry. And it's exhausting at times, which is why I love having triathlons to kind of clear my head. Cause like, oh, oh, you want to call me? I'm sorry. I'm on my bike now. I'm riding right now. I need, mm. I need to like take care of my mental health. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So tell me, I, I'd love to know more. Like what are some of the, when you say you create tools, like what are some of the other things that you've done with your nonprofit? Oh, really exciting. I just um, actually last weekend was working with some volunteers from Seattle Give Camp and we created a quiz you can take on our website that will help identify red flags for emotional abuse. The reason why my nonprofit is called the Emotional Abuse Discussion is that we're trying to look more at like breaking the cycle of violence before it can escalate too far or before it begins in the first place. 
And one of the first red flags of this violence is emotional abuse. It usually starts there and then escalates further. And so we're thinking, okay, what's a way we can maybe sort of get people to recognize what is emotional abuse? Because it's very hard to identify. And the quiz kind of comes in there and certain questions, depending on if you answer yes or no, will link to the relevant resources like, hey, you answered yes to gaslighting, but not to maybe threats or coercion, for example. We're really hopeful that what we can kind of do is get people to take the quiz and maybe whether they're looking to help themselves or help a friend or just kind of curious to gain insight, they'll kind of be able to recognize, huh, that sounds familiar. That maybe sounds like me. That sounds like someone I know. That sounds like maybe something I saw in culture that maybe kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I wasn't sure why. Mm-hmm. Really begin that process of educating people and kind of getting that conversation and moving them towards, okay, well, this might be what I'm, you know, what I'm in. How can I then learn more about it and take steps maybe to kind of get out before it gets worse? Yeah. So what is emotional abuse? How, how do you define that? So emotional abuse is a form of domestic violence. It is a cycle of power and control. Very important that we say it's a cycle because it does include things like name calling, criticisms, put down, gaslighting, but it is a pattern. So if you're in a relationship with your partner and maybe you call them one bad name once in a fight, that's a dick move, but you're not an abuser if you get mad once and apologize and make up. But as another example, if your partner maybe calls you a name that you absolutely hate and they keep calling you that to make you upset, to tear you down, that would be a pattern of criticism of insults. That is emotional abuse. Or for example, when I was younger, I was training for my first Ironman, my first uh, full Ironman. I had to get the huge like six hour bike rides in and he would try and guilt me out of it. He would try and manipulate me by saying, oh, you can't go. I'm going to miss you if you do this. What's going to happen to your sister when she wakes up if you're not home? That is also a form of emotional abuse. The cycle of trying to talk me out of things I liked doing and make me feel like I was a bad person for enjoying my hobbies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I had um, one of my really close friends recently came out of a an abusive situation like that. And one of the things that struck me the most about that relationship was the way that her partner would, because they know each other so well, like their partners, right. Would choose the things that she, that he knew she felt the worst about herself. Cause like, you know, those things about your partner, people that you're close to, you know, where they're vulnerable and he would just stick the knife in and wrench right in that spot. And I just felt like that is the worst kind of behavior from a partner like from the very person who's supposed to support you and understand you and it was never like a physically violent situation but sometimes those things are difficult to describe and talk to other people about because you're like you're like it's like well did he hit you well no but right we mean we minimize it as a culture Mm -hmm. Um, we really do when it's when it's just as toxic you know like at the end of the day, you, it messes with you. I mean, like it, 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 it turns your self-identity upside down and like, you can't trust your home. You can't trust the people, you know, the person you're with. And it's just like, that's, I think as a culture, we real, we recognize that, that physical abuse is, you know, very real, very pervasive, like something that we have no tolerance for. Like, how do you, how do we take emotional abuse and as a culture, you know, take it just as seriously? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And it's frustrating for me because from the stories I hear, sometimes I don't think we take physical abuse seriously at all, but really, mm-hmm. oh. and we, when you look at like the history of our, our country as a whole, we are a society that's very much about personal responsibility, lift yourself up by your bootstraps. So if anyone asks for help in any way, there's this really knee-jerk reaction to, oh, why do you need help? Why can't you suck it up? Why can't you just be stronger, right? And that's a very general example, but you see the same attitude with survivors. It's like, oh, he called me a name. Oh, whatever, just just blow it off. Oh, blah, 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 blah. There's no bruises, so it can't be that bad. It's, it's kind of ingrained into our society as a whole. So it really, in my opinion, will take a huge culture shift of kind of re-educating ourselves, you know, as society and our children, especially who are young and who are very impressionable and we can train them versus the adults. I don't know, some of them maybe are lost to me. We have to really train in that it's okay that people need some help and they can ask for help. And that if they're being emotionally abused, they're not weak, they're not um, bad people, they didn't ask for it, they don't deserve it, right? Mm-hmm. That's not something that we as a culture were kind of raised in we're sort more so raised in this mindset of just suck it up buttercup pull yourself up mm-hmm. yeah i think even more broadly like the like our cultural attitude towards emotions is kind of only like half halfway where it needs to half be recognized yeah yeah so it's like the kind of thing where like even having an open conversation about what it means to be an adult emotionally, how we understand our own emotions and take responsibility for them and how, and what we're asking other people for. Like we don't, that's, I've had those conversations because I've been through a counseling process, but I had to have like a complete breakdown, depression and start to have those before like anyone talked to me about how to handle my emotions as an adult human. (laughs) And that's just like, (laughs) there's something wrong with that. right? Oh, there's something so wrong with that. And people really take for granted how powerful our mental states are. I mean, even just my last race that I did, it was really kind of a coming to God moment for me of, wow, like my mental state is so powerful and how I can control how I'm feeling in a race. As someone who is a survivor, I have struggled so much with depression and anxiety and a lot of internalized self-hatred from years of emotional abuse. So trying to do these long races where you're out there for hours and you're uncomfortable and you're struggling and you're like, oh, this sucks and I hate this, right? That's a very vulnerable time for people who have the, who have that mental state, who have, you know, this trauma. It's easier to feel that trauma when your physical state is kind of weakened from all this intensity. And so my issue, my, you know, struggle and my goal as a racer is to try to bring up my mental state to match my physical state, because when I do that, when I can manage it, I have my best performances, not just in triathlons, but just as a human adult trying not to get triggered, just walking out the door and someone goes, go back to China. And I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so tell us about that, like some of the strategies that you use. Like I know triathlon's been a big part of sort of your story and sport has really like helped, it's helped all of us, right? But I know this yes. from our previous conversation that it's been part of your story and journey too. Like what what are some of the mental strategies you use during racing that you find pull you out of that dark place? For me, it's, it's having fun. So my last race, um, I, so it was a two lap run course. I had had a really miserable bike because my back brake caliper was clenching the wheel and I didn't realize it. So I thought I was really slow and out of shape. 
I didn't realize I was fighting a back wheel that was refusing to move. So of course I'm thinking, wow, I really suck. I'm getting passed. I hurt. I'm terrible at this. And my friend who was Sherpa-ing me just shouts at me, you're doing such a great job. Oh my God, keep going. You're in second place. And I'm like, okay, fine. Fucking hell, leave me alone. You're so annoying. She goes, I love you. <laughs> but that just like, that like little exchange made me laugh so hard. And I started like joking with the volunteers and like smiling at people and like, you know, saying his little funny things back and forth. And that really just boosted me because I realized, you know what? I don't suck. I'm here to have fun and I'm here to enjoy my body and be grateful that I'm no longer fit with a back injury. And that really helped save the day for me. It was just kind of that little twist from, I really suck too. You know, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm just going to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Cool. Abgate, can I ask you this? This this might be a total non-starter conversation. <laughs> but if, have you seen that, that that Netflix show made? No, I haven't seen it. Um, it's based off the book by, what's her name? Stephanie Lang, I think it was. Yes. Yeah, that's such a powerful story. It, Did um, you read the book? No, I listened to an interview with her a while back for on NPR. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not sure I could watch it because it reminds me so much of the stories I would hear when I was volunteering on a crisis helpline about the cycle of poverty and just how once you're there, it's so hard to break out. And I, I keep meaning to, but then I'm like, oh, do I really want to yeah. like engage with this on my time off? Am I going to get triggered? I just, I don't think I could, I could deal with it and be in a, a, a good state afterwards. I'd probably start crying. Yeah, I thought, you know, I the reason I brought it up is that I just loved that show so much because of the way that um, it was portrayed, like she had undergone emotional abuse, there wasn't like, so she's in this, trying to get into the shelter saying like, I don't have bruises, you know, like, yes. and trying to get help with like, essentially trying to get help without bruises was like, one of many hurdles that you saw her go through. And I really felt that from the little that I know about this, that like the way it was portrayed was very real. And you could see her, like you could see her spirit to survive and to survive for her daughter, like was very, very strong. And yet the real challenges she was facing, I just, I just felt it was really well done. Well, and just showing it as this cycle that's really, really hard to break out of Mm -hmm. um, because it's really complex and you know, it, it's integrated into different aspects of your life. And it's just, you know, it's, it's more than some superficial, well, like you're saying, are you, like pull yourself by your bootstraps and just like move on and start a new life. Well, it's, it's, it's it, every aspect of your life. It's more than a partner. It's more than somebody in your house. It's everything. Like it's your world and it's really insidious. Yeah. It really is. And thank you so much for saying that because I was thinking it about to go like, okay, how can I bring this in? Because when you try and get help as a survivor, as someone, you know, in my field and also someone who's spoken with survivors trying to get help, a lot of times there's financial abuse involved. So even if you have the, even if you decide, okay, I need to leave because I'm in danger, which that's the first hurdle because it's so hard to realize that your abuse is the happening. But then if you don't have any finances, where, where are you supposed to go? I live in Seattle. Rent here is insanely expensive. If you don't have a job because you've been forced to stay home, if there's COVID, you lost your job because of COVID, if you have kids with your abuser, if you have pets, where are you supposed to go? How are you supposed to start a new life? The homeless shelters here, we don't have any homeless shelters. We have a couple, but barely any. We have homeless encampments because our city won't do anything. Right now in Redmond, 
but trying to open a hotel to house homeless people who need the help, but they're facing so much blowback by people who say, no, we don't want them here. People don't realize that these people are survivors. And most women with children who are homeless are homeless due to domestic violence. But once again, just like with trying to talk about emotional abuse and getting slapped with, oh, suck it up, stop being acting like a victim. When they try and ask for help, they try and ask for money. They're trying to ask for free health care. They're told, oh, just suck it up. Why can't you just leave and suck it up? It's the same mentality that just comes back around that as a system, we really need to change because right now it is just, it's unbelievably cruel what we put these people through. Okay. So if we have listeners who might need some help, how can they find you or how can they find help? Yeah. So if you want to find help, I recommend calling the National Domestic Violence Helpline. I can send you the number to put in the show notes. Uh, my podcast also has the information as well. It's called the Domestic Violence Discussion. And in my podcast, I break down all aspects of domestic violence. I share certain resources, talk to survivors, kind of everything about domestic violence, all categories, including some topics like, you know, I was miserable, but I couldn't leave. And I talk about why I couldn't leave my abuser for so long. So things like that, that hopefully are relatable, but not quite so intimidating, kind of accessible. Mm-hmm. And if you want to take the quiz, uh, it's on our website, the emotional discussion.com. You can find it there and I will send you everything. If you want to link it in the show notes or email it out. I'm not sure how you get to your people. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. And that goes straight onto the landing page on the website and everything too. Perfect. Now I, this is an interesting time because I was actually thinking about this earlier today and how uh, the idea of self-care has been totally co-opted by like marketing to mean like, you know, pampering yourself and putting on face masks, but just what self-care actually is like as an act of resistance, like as a political act. And I'm, I'm guessing you have some pretty good insight into this. Um, I'd love, I'd love to hear what you think about it because like, it's, it's taken on a bit of new meaning for me recently. Oh yeah. Wait, I'm curious, before I answer, I'm curious what your new meaning self-care is and what is it exactly? Um, I think I, I've reached, I've reached a, a point like early into, uh, you know, motherhood where I realized I was giving too much of myself and it was taking away from my ability to not just be a complete person, but I, I feel like I was being not as good of a, a, a spouse, not as good as a mother, like, because I had lost, um, my identity. And like, when we, when we give too much of ourselves, um, just, it makes us less equipped to be able to like completely give to other people. Um, yeah, because I love that. like, yeah, that's awesome. like I, I had lost myself in the process a little bit mm-hmm. and I think it's, you know, making sure that my, like my well being was just as important as the well being of the people around me. Yeah. And I, mean- I like, especially as women, I think that's something that tends to be overlooked. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I think with self-care, what we, you're right, it is co-opted to be like, oh, paint your nails, not self-care. But for me, self-care goes even deeper because I think of it as a tool. When we experience emotional abuse, that gaslighting criticism, that the threats, the coercion, we 
lose a lot of our ourselves, our self-confidence, our self-esteem, who we are as a person. And we develop a lot of internal hatred, a lot of like what kind of internal abuser voice that really enforces that cycle of, you know, oh, I'm stupid. I hate myself. I am not good at anything. And I think of self-care as a tool to kind of break that cycle. So what are things you can do to build yourself back up? So you feel comfortable saying, no, I think bad things don't happen because I'm a bad person. I didn't fall off my bike because I was a terrible girlfriend. I fall off because sometimes bad things happen and accidents happen. That's the difference in mentality that self-care is there to help switch. Because when you are a more confident individual, when you have that self-love, when you're like, no, I don't deserve bad things, it's a lot harder for people to overstep your boundaries and try and take advantage of you. It doesn't always work. You know, people like abusers can be really slick. It's really hard to catch them sometimes. But self-care at the end of the day is more so, okay, how can I look inside and go, how do I learn to love myself? How can I treat myself in a way that I would treat my best friend? And when I have survivors who say, okay, well, how do I know that what I'm thinking right now is good or bad? I say, well, this thing you want to say, would you say to someone you care about? Would you tell your friend, oh, you're ugly, you're stupid, you don't deserve this? Or would you tell her or him or they, you know, bad things happen sometimes, you did your best, you know, oh, you didn't you know, do a great race, but you still did the best you could. You're still a good person. You're, you still train hard. You're still smart and beautiful and wonderful. And I still love you. And that's the kind of trick that I use myself. And I'm still using myself to try and build up and try and like snuff out that little internal user voice that kind of still creeps up sometimes. Yeah. Ma- making sure that, cause it's, it's work to make sure that you value yourself as much as you value the people around you. Yeah. Um, and that's really hard, especially for women, because yeah. women get dunked on for being vain, quote unquote, or thinking about ourselves. We're, we're expected to be in service of others, men usually, and expected to be very like demeaning and not think about ourselves, not be selfish, but we really need to be more selfish, honestly. Sarah, I love this conversation. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, don't stop Sarah's talking. like, you're both wrong. <laughs> and no. I'm like, don't stop talking. I want to hear more. <laughs> right um, now, she's just sitting behind in our drafts. Um, and we're waiting for, you know, Sarah to take a pull on the bike. To, and to bring like, it back to if we were riding. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like refusing to take my turn. I'm <laughs> Best ride ever. I'm not actually having to work out right now. I'm sitting home with my hot <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good system. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we take a little break um, and then do a little I rock because. If we were riding is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at if we were riding. And we love hearing from our feisty friends. So please send us a voicemail at Sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right. So just grab your phone record an audio file and email it to me and we will love it and love you forever. And our regular listeners will know that If We Were Riding and All Things Feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code livefeisty15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. Sarah, you have to go first. What? Are you serious? Oh, come on. Hold it. Oh, jeez. Uh, 
I don't know. I rock because today I was going to ride my bike inside because it was really cold and raining. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to ride it outside. And I had a really good time, even though I think I took more time cleaning my bike than actually riding. Um, so, oh, just, just so you know, I rock because, because it tends to be a range of things from the serious to the not so serious. And I would categorize this towards the, I don't know what else to say. So I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Cause you know what? I hate riding on my trainer. I have a great trainer, but it sucks. I get too, way too sweaty. It's like, I'm sick of all my music. Please send me more music. I'm just, oh, I love riding outside, but I live in Seattle. It's, it's raining so hard right now oh. outside my window. I just needed to get out of the house. That's all it really comes down to. Sometimes okay. you just need to like feel the fresh air in your face and okay. have time for yourself. Self-care. 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 Self-care time with Sarah True. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have a new segment. We have a new segment. <laughs> you can use that. <laughs> we should do like the self-care version of I rock because. Like, oh, I love that. Oh can my God, I love self-care. <laughs> I'm going to do a self-care I rock because I'll let you go last, Ariel. So you can be like the final bringing it home. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I like this the um your musical interludes <laughs> would you <laughs> if you ever want to send us a um I don't know if you've heard our intro jingle do you have any ideas for for vocals we're, we're oh, open okay sure yeah let me know let me know what you want I'm more than happy to help <laughs> if you want to write a I rock because song sure we'll play it <laughs> sure why not let me I'll, I'll do like an I rock self-care jingle we'll see what happens I love it I love it. Okay. <laughs> give me, give me, give me some time though. I, I, my brain's kind of exploding right now from okay. the week I've had. We're not expecting you to do it on the spot. Like it's not like, <laughs> no, do it now. Right now. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I have an, I have a self-care I rock because, um, so this week I have a lot of people in my house. So at the same, I live in a thousand square foot condo. Um, and usually I have half of another person living here which is my daughter's here three nights a week she's a whole person she's a whole person who's here <laughs> half the time okay <laughs> i thought you meant she was really short like she's like a whole person but like half the size she's know. actually like she's like a five foot three ten year old like it's insane how tall she is right now <laughs> she's taller than me i'm a grown-ass <laughs> woman i'm so mad right now She's taller than both of her grandmothers. So her grandmother, my mom, is also visiting here. So I have a full house and I'm camping in my office. Like right beside me right here, there's like a camping bed. (laughs) That is my bed. (laughs) Um, And last night, um, because I I also could sleep, like my my daughter has like a pretty big bed. Like I could sleep in her bed with her. She was like, mommy, please sleep with me. Like, I want you yeah, like she likes to sleep with me I'm like no and I she said why 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 and I told her I actually told her why which and the reason was like back to this, this self-care um is that I like Rosie like I've had a day full of talking to people at work and there's you know and now and grandma's here it's really been busy and I just need an hour alone in my room and it's your bedtime and you need to and she was like she went okay mommy <laughs> and I was like Oh, that's so nice. Like, I was so glad that I went with the truth, you know, um, not, I wasn't sure she was going to understand that. Um, and she seemed to, she took it in she said, okay, 
But also that's something that she'll probably internalize for the future. Yes, yes, yes. You set a boundary and it was respected. And you know what? When people ask like, sorry, this is kind of a roundabout thing, but Mm -hmm. when people ask how they can help survivors, part of that, how you help is you demonstrate in your life healthy behaviors, like setting boundaries and respecting boundaries when they are set. And that's perfect. I love it. Oh, yay. Mm -hmm. That's a good story. It's a great story. I can't eat that. (laughs) I'm sure you can. Oh, I have to go last. Oh, great. Oh, okay. (laughs) I rock because... I am still definitely learning and growing um, as you know, a person dealing with my trauma and as an athlete trying to deal with like a bad mental state, you know, because of my trauma, but I am a work in progress. I think it's a beautiful thing and it's okay that I'm still learning and growing because I try my best. And when I fail these days, I say, okay, I'll just try again. Instead of going, you suck. We move past the suck phase and into I'm just gonna try again and I learn something new and I'm just gonna take what I've learned and try and do the best I can next time and it's really fun. It, I'm a lot happier now that I've kind of switched to that mental mindset. Mm, I love I that. Think, I think that is the beauty of sport, right? Like there's there's nothing really at stake. You know, you you can quote unquote fail and it doesn't mean anything really. Um, and it's just, you know, like it makes you more resilient for the rest of life when there is more at stake. I agree. Like the worst that can happen, it, like, I mean, I it's fun to podium for sure, but I'm well aware that it depends on who shows up, right? Like if 10 girls who can kick my ass show up, then I'm screwed. But if I'm the only person in my age group, oh, sweet, I'm going to take the victory. It does, at the end of the day, I just love being able to do something hard and then have an excuse to eat chicken and waffles. I'm like, yes. <laughs> It's my like once a year treat, so indulgent and so bad, but post-race, yeah, give me that fried chicken. It's so good. And you also rock because you did get on the podium, right? At at your recent race. I did. I, (laughs) it's so funny. I like in my mind up until like the last six miles of the run, I was like, oh my God, I suck so bad. I'm going to drop. My back hurts. My legs hurt. I was dry heaving in the heat because I came from Seattle to Arizona and it was freaking hot. My friend's like, you're in second place. Keep going. And I'm like, oh, fine, fine, whatever. (laughs) And then, yeah, I ended up holding second and getting a podium spot. So, you know, Another another lesson to everyone out there is sometimes even when you think you're doing the worst job, you're still doing a great job. So just to stick with it because you know sometimes you you just trick yourself into thinking things are worse than they are. So that is so true. Yeah, especially in triathlons, they're so freaking long. There's so much time to backslide mentally and just think you're the worst athlete ever. Yeah. I had one of my favorite tricks doing Ironman was like, no matter what happened on the bike, like sometimes you can have like a technical problem and you're like half an hour back. Like, so, and in the pro race, like you're, you're out of the race in any race you're by that point, you're out of the race. Um, and I used to trick myself by saying, you can still have your fastest marathon ever. Like just like these little things that are like, Oh, would I be happy if I walked away at the end of the day? And I was like totally out of the top 10, but I had a PR in the marathon. Of course, I'd be so happy. So like, there's always, there's always something else, you know? So I love that. Yeah. I mean, obviously excluding if you're actually injured, like if you fell off your bike and had a concussion, <laughs> please seek medical attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's, I'm sure we don't have to say that, but I feel like like disclaimer in case someone tries to like purple, purple, like no, please seek medical attention. 
Right. There's some, some days can't be saved. That's actually good to note. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, my cat just did a squeak. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. We heard some meowing earlier when you were talking, when you were chatting. I'm glad we got to hear that. Um, yeah. I just got back this morning. So he's a little clingy. He has yeah. um, separation anxiety, I think since COVID. So every time I leave, he just like howls. I think there's a lot of pets who have some um, psychological issues from COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I work from home now too. So um, oh. I leave and I'm not home at my normal time he freaks out it's adorable but also I'm, I'm worried for his mental health <laughs> you'll have to have a weaning process <laughs> i don't know if i can i'm not strong enough oh well hey strong hello <laughs> i'm not strong enough <laughs> you're strong enough to pick up a 15 pound cat that's all i know <laughs> that is a big boy so. i know I need him to put on some weight so I can increase my uh, strength training though. He needs to gain five pounds so I can have a bigger weight. A bigger weight. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, Ariel, thank you so much for joining us. This has been wonderful. Um, I appreciate you so much and what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you guys. You're so fun. This is like talking to my best friends. I love it. And also there were no actual bikes involved. So I feel really- It's the perfect ride. Yeah. Yeah. No, No need to clean our bikes after this ride. Awesome. And thank you for thank you for listening to another week of if you're riding and we hope that everybody takes care of themselves in the best way possible none of you people can tell me to stop my town my crown we know what it takes to be reaching the top we're reaching the top we're reaching the top we know what it takes to be reaching the top, we're reaching the top. We're reaching the top.